Thanks for being here today. We have a, a special service. Roger just kind of mentioned it, and he prayed for some of the students. We're going to have a special time at the end of this service where we are going to have the students come forward, and we're going to pray for them. We're going to, as parents, we're going to put our hands on them and just pray for them that they would have a great year. Uh, in about 25 minutes, all the kids from go, uh, Big Top Kids upstairs are going to be coming down here. And so uh, you'll know when they arrive, I'm sure. Um, so we're going to time this well. They're going to join us at the end. We're going to have a time where we can pray for our students. And then we also have a moment where we just want to honor and thank the teachers who are here today. We are so grateful for all the teachers that pour into our kids. Um, so we have that uh, coming up today. We are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the younger generation. We are going to talk about our students in our church. We are going to... Um, commit them to the Lord. We want God to pour into them. As Roger was praying, we want God to bless them. We want God to protect them, to guide them. We want God to cause them to flourish. Uh, I was encouraged this week reading through different passages of Scripture, just all the times where in good circumstances, in difficult circumstances, it says over and over, but God was with them. God gave them courage to get through it. God was merciful to them in the midst of it. No matter what you're going through, students, this year, there's probably going to be some great times. There's probably going to be some times that are a little bit more unnerving and you're a little bit nervous about. But you have to know this, and if you remember one thing today, remember this, that God is with you no matter what. God is with you when you are anxious about something, when you are having a great time with your friends, when you're not sure what to do, when you feel overwhelmed with school. God is with you. And we want to talk a little bit about how important you are, students, as our next generation. I want to talk about our church today. Um, when we started Homestead, we, Christy and I had several conversations about what's important to us. What do we want to be important at Homestead Church? And one of the things we said over and over and over again was we want this to be a church that doesn't target one age group. We see so much value in multiple generations being a part of the same community, like an extended family at a family reunion. So much value, so much value in the young being present, the old being present, multiple generations being there. We see value in this. When youth group members are rubbing shoulders with senior citizens, learning from them, that brings so much benefit, right? Not just to the young people, but to the older generation as well who feel like I'm able to pour into this young generation. I'm able to speak wisdom and guidance and pray for them. I see so much value in that. We see value in that. We love that this church is a multi-generational church. And I love that there's value in that. But we want to make a priority raising up the next generation. We want to make our students, our youth group members, a priority. We want to reach out to them. Now, in some churches, um, they would hear that and you would think, oh, great, that means they're just going to play loud music and more guitars with fog machines and laser lights and all those things. And, and Pastor Jeff's going to start wearing really skinny jeans and one of those flat-brimmed hats and kind of talk cool to the kids and try to relate to the kids because we're all about the next generation. Well, I think that just makes me look ridiculous, and the teenagers are kind of like, yeah, I'm not, I don't want anything to do with that. But when I say prioritize the next generation, pour into the next generation, I mean this. We as a community, 
as a church, value them together, pour into them, give advice, pray for them, be around them, want them to succeed, want their faith to grow as a community. This is what it means. And we are going to put resources as a church into our youth ministry. We have a wonderful couple. Brooke is here, Brooke Maxwell, and Steve Maxwell, our youth director, he's actually filling in for Linnea, our kids director, so he'll be joining us at the end of the service if they all survive Kids Church together today, but they'll be joining us in a few minutes. We want to resource, as a small church, we have limited resources, but what we have, we want to pour in to our younger generation so that we know the younger generation is going to come and they are going to have a strong faith in the Lord. They are going to have a support system, not just at home, not just at school, but in their church community. I love the idea of community raising up the younger generation. We certainly see this in in Scripture. If you read through New Testament and Old Testament, the community that you were involved in was huge. The community was involved collectively in training up the next generation. The community as a whole spoke life into the next generation. And uh, that idea, I want to be prevalent in our church as well. And I've certainly seen this in my life, and maybe your childhood and your upbringing can relate to mine. Um, in my life, my parents were the biggest influence in my life, certainly, and they were wonderful, godly parents. They still are wonderful, godly parents. They trained me up. They were the biggest influence, but they were not the only voices in my life. They were not the only influencers for good. They were not the only people raising me up in faith. They were not the only people teaching me what it means to work hard, to try your best, to do well. I had teachers at school. Maybe you can remember this. There's certain teachers that still stand out in my mind. They made such an impact in my life. Elementary, middle school, high school, college. These teachers made such an impact in my life. There was teachers. There was coaches. I remember hockey coaches, certain ones that just, they, they, you know, and a lot of times it wasn't easy to go through, but they got through to me. They caused me to work harder, to train harder, to be better because they cared about me doing my very best. Teachers, coaches, youth pastors. I had great youth pastors. There was other adults that I remember in my church growing up. Parents of my friends that I remember when I was hanging out at their house. They were so willing to care for me, to speak into my life, to say, hey, I don't know that that's a good idea. They would correct me. They would. If, we lived in a different age back then when other people would feel free to say to me, hey, I don't know if that's such a good idea, or hey, stop doing that. That's not a smart thing to do. I remember even like strangers in the grocery store saying, hey, smarten up, listen to your mother. That was, you know, that's a totally different generation than it is now, right? As parents, if we see people telling our kids what to do, our first reaction is like, stranger danger, get away from my kid. You don't, you don't talk to my kid. But for me, growing up, I had all these different voices, different people in the community that were raising me up. I was influenced by so many. And this is what a community is all about. This is what our church community should be. It's not just the youth pastors training up your students in the ways of faith, teaching them about Jesus. It's not just teachers. It's not just the parents. It's all of us. We're going to be involved in different ways, but it's all of us helping up to raise our kids, our students in the ways of the Lord. I mentioned this earlier. This idea seems to be different today. We're in a very individualistic society. We don't think in terms of community as much as they did, you know, certainly in Bible times and 20, 30 years ago. One thing I see what happens is either in regards to our kids learning, we put it all on the youth pastor. 
We put it all on the teacher. We put it all on the coach. And we say, well, my kid is not serving the Lord. What's that youth pastor doing? He's got my kid for an hour and a half every week. Why isn't my kid serving the Lord? My kid's not doing well in school. It's the teacher's for The teacher, you've got him all day. You've got to, you got to, it's your fault. You've got to raise him up. And we, we put it all on them. Or one thing that happens is we remove all others from speaking into our kids' lives. If they have a run-in with a teacher, we instantly accuse the teacher. We say, well, you don't talk to my kid that way. Um, I, was at, I was at the gym, and I was overhearing at Lifetime, and I was overhearing a conversation, um, and there was these three ladies. They were talking about school, and one of them was a recently retired school teacher. And they were talking, and I was overhearing their conversation, and they said, it is so hard to teach kids anything these days. It's so hard to teach kids these days. Instantly, if you have to correct them, if you have to discipline them, and it's just so difficult because they don't listen to you. They don't respect authority. And one of the, te- and one of the other people said, well, why don't you get their parents involved? And the, and the person who was talking said, the parents are the worst ones. The parents are the most difficult thing. I try to tell a student in my class to put away their cell phone, and instantly, I've got the parent calling me after school saying, you can't tell my kid to put away their cell phone in school. And I was listening to this, and I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. But they were saying it is so difficult to teach kids these days because the parents put up roadblocks be- be- between them and speaking anything into their kids' lives. I remember if I was, uh, as a kid growing up, I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that if I had any run-in with my teacher, the first thing my parents would do would tell me to smarten up. We can sort out the facts later, but you better not have any run-ins with your teacher. You better listen to your teacher. If I come down here because your teacher says you're in trouble, you are in more trouble once you get home. That was the environment I grew up in, and I don't know if that's the case. Certainly, that would still be the case with some people today. But I realized, I was listening to that conversation this week, man, it is tough being a teacher. I talked to some friends of mine who are college professors, and they said, even 20 years ago, you could bring in, and I was in the music department and at the college I went to, and they would say, you could bring in any college freshman, and college freshmen typically think, especially in the world of music, they think, I got it all together. I was a big shot musician at my home church. And what you have to do that first semester of college in the music program, music program is to convince them you're not that good. You're not that good. You got a lot of things to learn. You're not a hot, hot shot around here. He said, 20 years ago, that was easy to do. These days, you can't tell these kids anything. They're like, what do you mean? I'm great. I don't need to learn anything. There's just so much more obstacles in the way of teaching young people these days. So I acknowledge today that it must be very difficult to be a teacher. So we wanted to have a moment today. Now I'm going to do this right here. We have a little gift for all the teachers. Now what I want to do, are there any teachers here you might not... Well, you you make your students do stuff like this, so it's payback time. If there are any teachers here today... Could you stand? Any teachers? I know that the Revels were here. There they are. Stand up, teachers. Can we give them a round of applause? There's Keith at the back. All right. Thank you, teachers. You can be seated. We have a gift for you. It's a little uh, travel mug for all your coffee and caffeine. So you can take one of those. But inside, we wrote a little note on behalf of Homestead Church, and you're going to get these in the mugs that you have. And I just said, we, it says on this card, we love our teachers. We recognize your amazing contribution to our children and our community. We know you work hard, and we want to know we appreciate you. If we can ever be of any assistance to you, 
or to help meet the need of a child in your classroom, please, I want you to see Homestead Church as a resource to you. So our phone numbers and email addresses are in there. As a church community, we want to partner with our teachers. We don't want to get in the way of what they're doing, but we want to be a resource. If there comes a time where someone in your classroom is struggling and you need them to talk to someone, or you need some volunteers for something and no one, believe it or not, has signed up for the volunteer sheet that you have sent through a dozen times, you contact us at the church and we will send some volunteers to help. If you need funding and we're able to help, we want to help. We want to be a resource to the schools in this community. So... There's one of those for you at the end of the service. We're going to pray for you again at the end of the service. Parents, if you have a teacher, your kid's favorite teacher or your elementary school teacher, we got tons of these mugs. So take one with you. We're going to take some to our kids' schools in the next couple of weeks. But we want to bless the teachers. And more than that, we want them to know we are here to support them in what they're doing and how they're pouring in and raising up the next generation. I am running out of time. I keep looking at the clock, normally thinking, if I go five minutes over, it's not a big deal. But I got kids showing up here by the dozens in about 11 minutes, so we've got we to move on. Thank you, teachers, for what you're doing. Um, I wanted to look at a couple scriptures today as we talk about this idea of raising up the next generation. We want the next generation to be a high priority in every area of life. We want them to flourish in school, in health. We want them to flourish in their relationships and friendships. And most of all, we want them to flourish in their faith. We want them to be people of faith. We want to hand down this faith to the next generation. And in the book of Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament, this is the fifth book of the Old Testament, we're going to look at a verse here, and then we're going to move ahead to the book of Second Chronicles. These are kind of books tucked away in the Old Testament in there. Deuteronomy a little bit of backstory to this. This is when God is giving the Israelites the law. This is after the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, and you know the story, Moses and the Egyptians and the Israelites, the parting of the Red Sea. God sends the plagues to Egypt, and all the Israelites who were enslaved, enslaved, they get free from Egypt, and they walk through the Dead Sea, the Red Sea as it's parted on either side, and then they go into the wilderness, and they wander in the wilderness where God provides food for them. And during that time, God gives them the law. He gives them, these are what it means to be my people. You are a nation that is the people of God, and this is what it means. And he gives list after list. This is how you are to worship. This is the rules for this. He gives the Ten Commandments, which we've studied before. So this is what's happening. This is where God is giving them the law. But he says something very interesting in Deuteronomy. He says to the people, to the leaders of the Israelites, he says, your kids weren't there when I delivered them out of Egypt. Your kids weren't there when the plagues came and all the people saw God do amazing things. Your kids were not there when the Red Sea parted and you walked through. When I provided food for you all those years in the desert, your kids weren't there to see that. This is how much time had passed. Your kids weren't there. They don't have these memories in the front of their mind. And so he implores the people of Israel to say, you have to tell them. You have to tell your kids this. These words that I'm telling you, you have to make sure your kids know it. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it says this, and the words will be up on the screen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Now get these words. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is God telling the people, you have to teach your kids about faith. You have to make sure your kids know all that God has done. You as families have to make sure your kids learn what God has done in you, even though they might not have experienced it firsthand. And this is not a, if you read those words, you'll notice this is not a, yeah, we'll get our kids to church once a week and uh, check that off the list. And then if they don't grow up in faith, then it's the youth pastor's fault. No, this is, look at that, it's impress them on your children. Make them, bind them in your hearts. Talk about them at home. When you're walking along the road, talk about them there. In the morning when you get up, at nighttime before you go to sleep, talk about the things of God. Write them on your door frames. Put them in front of your kids. This is utmost importance, what God is saying. Teach your kids the word of the Lord. Teach your kids what it means to be people of faith, to trust him. So we're going to jump ahead to the book of 2 Chronicles. Now, timeline-wise, this is a couple hundred years down the road. So back when God was giving the law to the Israelites, they went into the promised land. They wiped out the enemies. They established themselves as a nation. They started to have kings. King David was the first king. He was awesome. It was great. Well, then it went downhill from there. I guess Saul was the first king, sorry, and then David and then Solomon. And they started out, David was a great king. And then after that, it would be king after king. King after king. And it says in the Old Testament, if you read it, this king ruled from this time to this time, and he was a good king. He followed God. He obeyed the commands of the Lord, and everything, I'm summarizing here, and everything went well for Israel. And then the next king would come along, and it would say, this king did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and the whole nation turned to idol worship and turned away from God, and things did not go well. You can read all these things. So we jump ahead, and you get to a guy named Hezekiah, who is the king of Israel. He was a righteous king. Talks about him in the book of 2 Chronicles 29. He was a God-fearing man. He turned the nation back to God. The whole nation of Israel was worshiping God. They were tearing down idols. They were receiving blessings from the Lord. They were experiencing victory over their enemies. But then Hezekiah died, and his son took over. And his son would take over as the king. And his name was Manasseh. And he did evil. He turned the nation back to idol worship. And then he died, and his son, Ammon, took over, and he was evil, and he continued to lead the nation to idol worship and turn away from God. And Ammon, the king, the evil king, he was murdered, so his son was instantly put on the throne. His son was Josiah, King Josiah, in Second Chronicles chapter 34, you can read about him. Josiah, when he became king, was eight years old. Okay, so you've got this eight-year-old who is now the king. Now, thankfully, at his young age, he had many godly people shaping his life. There was the high priest, Hilkiah. There was the prophet who was there, Jeremiah, the Jeremiah that has the book in the Bible. That was the prophet. These men, these godly men, were speaking into this young life, Josiah, this eight-year-old who was now leading the nation of Israel. These godly men were speaking in him. Josiah didn't have a family situation. His father had been killed. Family situation was people who were turning away from God, but he had these other men of God speaking into his life. He grew 
And in just a matter of a few years, it says when he was 12 years old, he started leading the nation back to God. He started making all these changes, tearing down idol worship, turning the people back to God. Imagine a 12-year-old. Imagine, so it's election year this year. Imagine a 12-year-old all of a sudden being in charge of the country. Maybe this year out of any year, we might say, sure, I'd vote for him. But a 12-year-old running the country, the 12-year-old is in charge of Israel, and he is making all these changes. Now, one of the changes he made was to clean up the temple. The temple that they used to worship God in had been run down. So he sends some guys over to clean up the temple. And these guys go in and they start doing some work in the temple. And what do they find in the temple? They find the law. They find on a scroll the written law, that same law that hundreds of years ago in the book of Deuteronomy, God gave to the Israelites when God said, do this and it'll all go well for you. This is what it means to be people of God. That same law... All of a sudden, they find it hundreds of years later written on a scroll in the temple. And they take it back to the king and they say, King Josiah, this is what we found. This is what we found. And in 2 Chronicles, you can read these amazing words. 2 Chronicles 34 verse 19. It's going to be on the screen. It says this. When the king, Josiah, heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the remnant in Israel and Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that it has poured out on us because those who have gone before us have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written in this book. So you read that and you say, Josiah realized why things weren't going well. But what is more amazing to me is here's King Josiah Three generations removed from Hezekiah, who was a godly man, and the nation was turning towards God and worshiping God. All of a sudden, his great-grandson, Josiah, they find the law, and Josiah the king, the king of Israel, wasn't even aware that the law existed. It had been removed so far from the nation of Israel that Josiah found it and realized I knew nothing about this. Nobody told me about this law. No wonder things aren't going well. We are not living the way God wants us to live. Imagine that. Three generations later from a nation worshiping God to not even being aware that the law, the words of God, the scripture even existed. So I want to point out two things. What can we learn from this today? And the first one is this. Spiritual erosion can happen quickly. I mentioned it already. Hezekiah to Josiah, three generations where the word of God had been completely removed from the nation, completely removed from his life that he didn't even know it had existed. I've heard people teach on the same thing in today's day and age. People of faith, if you worship God, it could take about three generations, and the third generation, it could be that your grandkids know nothing about God. If you don't serve God and hand it down, in three generations, it could be completely removed from your family line. We must hand it down. We must pour into our kids spiritually. The gospel moves forward as we take what we have learned from God and we hand it down to our kids. When we as a community of faith say we need to make sure our young generation knows what it is to live for God, this is how the gospel continues to move forward. So I encourage you as homestead families, not only at home, to make the scriptures part of your life, 
in the morning, in the night, when you're walking, when you have moments with your kids, teachable moments as we call them, where you're talking to your kids, those rare moments when your teenager wants to talk to you about stuff. Tell them about what it means to live by faith, to trust God. But more than just at home, I want you at Homestead Church to dive into youth ministry, kids ministry, midweek classes. We are a community. We're doing this together. We are doing this together to raise up our kids. We don't want to see the spiritual erosion take place where our grandkids know nothing about God. The second thing we learned from this story of Josiah was this. Josiah was influenced by others around him. The high priest, Hilkiah. The prophet, Jeremiah. These were the people that spoke into young Josiah's life when his family situation was a mess, so that by the age of 12, Josiah had learned the ways of God. He had learned what it means to be a man of faith, and he was leading the nation of Israel. This is so vital. This is important. When we meet young people in our church, I think about our youth group. As our youth group grows, we're going to have teenagers that come into this place that families don't go to this church. They're just going to be invited from a friend. And their home life is going to be a disaster. And they're going to come into our building on Thursday nights or whenever we're having youth services down the road. And this is going to be their one moment where not only are they going to have friends, not only are they going to hear a word from our youth directors, but they're going to be in a community of people that loves them. They're going to go home to a disaster. But here in this place, they have a community of people, generations of people who are going to say, you matter. You matter to God. You matter to us. You are loved by God. No matter what is going on in your world, we are going to experience young people whose, ki- whose home life is a disaster, and we are going to be the one voice of love and hope and mercy that they are going to receive. Teachers, you know this. Teachers, in your classroom, you have students that are coming, and their home life just might be a total disaster. But you can be that voice during the day where you speak life into them. You might be the one kind, life-giving voice that they experience on any given day. Teachers, you have such an impact on young lives. So as a church community, we want to help this younger generation. And before the kids come in here, I just have one other story. And it involves my Grandpa Kerr. My Grandpa Kerr. When he was a young man growing up, his father, my great-grandpa Kerr, was a very nasty, mean, harsh man, not serving the Lord. And my grandpa Kerr grew up in this family. But there was another man in the community that struck up a relationship with my grandpa Kerr and just started hanging out with him, just started speaking life into him. This other man introduced faith into the Kerr family. This other man spoke life into my grandpa Kerr. And grandpa Kerr grew up to be a pastor, grew up to be a missionary. Grandpa Kerr started a legacy of faith in the Kerr family that now with my kids is four generations deep. And this wasn't because of his home life. This was because he had somebody else who valued him enough to speak into his life. You never know what your voice will do to the future of a young life, future of a young faith. Your kind word, your introducing Jesus to a young person in this church might be the start of that legacy of faith. He doesn't have any faith in his family history, but now you've introduced it, and generations down the road, they're going to look back and say, somebody told my great-grandpa about Jesus, and it changed our family forever. So we're going to wrap up today, and the kids are out there waiting patiently, so we're going to have the kids come in here, and this is going to be awesome. I love this. 
we want to take a time to pray for our students and even youngsters that are not quite in school. So kids, come on up here. And students that are in the seats, you've had a half an hour to know this is coming. Stand up. We're going to have you come along the front. This is okay. Everyone's coming up. There's no need to feel nervous. No need to feel anxious. Come up. Spread all along the front. All along the front. Leave some room behind you because your parents are going to come. They're going to want to pray for you. Kids, come on up. We're so glad you're here today. You can stand right on the floor, okay, guys? Can you stand right down here? Awesome. All right, kids, I want you to turn around and look at me, okay? Turn around, look at me, turn around, look at me. We love that you are here at our church. We love you. We see so much value in you. And not just as your pastor, not just Steve and Brooke as your youth pastors or Linnea as your kids' pastor who do an awesome job. You have a community of people, all these people, your moms and dads and other people that are here, are here for you. We want to support you. If you ever need anything, you can come to us. You can talk to us. Believe it or not, there might, not be, a, there might be a day where you might not want to talk to your parents about something. You should always talk to your parents about stuff. But you can talk to people here, and we will help you. We're going to support you. We love you. You have value and worth. And we want to pray for you as you start this school year, okay? We believe that there's going to be awesome things. Some of you might be a little bit anxious and nervous about school. Some of you are excited about it. We believe that God is going to be with you in everything and that he has great plans for your year, for your life, that he is with you in every season. So keep facing this way, parents, or anyone else. Come on, we want to have someone laying a hand on every young person up here. We are going to pray for our students as we wrap up today. All right, parents are coming up. Parents are coming up. Here they come. All right, come on in, everyone. Make some room, make some room. Kids, listen to your parents. <laughs> All right, how are we doing, everyone? Are we moving in? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you. In your wisdom and love, you gave us the words in your scripture. So help us as families, as a church community, to place those words of Scripture central in our lives. We want to know you. We want to know your word. Thank you that you gave us your son, Jesus, to die for us so that we could be forgiven, that we could have new life in you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. We want to live new life in you. We want to grow in you. We want to be more like you every day. I pray for each of these students that they would know first and foremost your love for them that they would grow in faith, that they would grow in knowledge of you, they would grow in their love for you and love for one another and help us as a community, as a church community, help us as parents, as leaders, as teachers to pour into this generation and to raise them up well. Send your spirit on these students and all the teachers here today. We pray for students and teachers that you would fill them with your wisdom, that you would bless them, that you would fill them with your blessings, that during this school year, they may devote themselves well to their studies. I pray for inspiration. I pray for guidance. I pray for wisdom. I pray that each student and each teacher would flourish this year, that each student in every area of life would flourish in every way. I pray for peace for those who are anxious. I pray for protection over their lives. Anything that would seek to harm them, harm their body, their soul, their mind, their heart, we pray against that in Jesus' name and we ask for your protection. We thank you 
as we learn in your scripture that in all things you are with us, you love us, you will never leave us or forsake us. So in the name of Jesus, I bless these students, I bless these teachers. Thank you for them. I pray that you would pour out your favor on them this year. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you, everyone, for being here today. Students, have a great year. We love you. God bless you. You are dismissed.